Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode, we have Mark DeAnza, who is an athletic trainer out in the Las Vegas, Nevada area. Mark has a really unique story on how he got into his position now and where he is at in his athletic training career, and that is why we really wanted to talk to him. Mark has gone through some of the traditional athletic training routes, uh, working full-time in a secondary school, but now has transitioned into being a full-time teacher in a high school and also doing some teaching at UNLV, along with still getting involved with USA Wrestling from the athletic training side. We also talk a lot about Mark's work within the service part of athletic training. That's really what we end up talking about the most, and it's very interesting and has got me motivated to look into doing more things there. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please give them a look as you're getting ready to put in bids for the new fiscal year and orders, as I'm sure everybody is doing. Enjoy this episode. episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on with Mark Bianza, uh, who's out in Vegas. We were just having a nice off-air um, discussion about the effects that it's had there and uh, how some of us in, in the, his world, which we'll get into, and athletic training in general have been fairly fortunate given the situations. Uh, obviously, that affects different people differently, but uh, we're going to get in today just talking about some different paths and career progression. Uh, Mark has had a real interesting one, I think, um, going from, you know, being a full-time athletic trainer to moving into a different route. Um, and we'll talk about those different things, yet still remaining a certified athletic trainer. But before we get into that, I'll turn it over to Mark to give a little bit more background. Awesome. Thank you very much, Joel. Nice meeting you as well today. Um, hi, everyone. This is first time, oh, there's a dog going crazy already. Um, first time doing the podcast, so this will be a new experience for me. I've gotten a little bit of experience on distance education this past week and a half, like many of us have, so uh, hopefully that comes in handy right now. Um, as Joel was saying, I am a former full-time high school athletic trainer. I graduated from San Diego State in 06, and from there I moved up to Vegas with who now is my wife. We just sort of moved up here out on a whim because we both graduated at the same time. And when I got up here, um, initially I actually worked in my, with one of my friends who was a chiropractor. I worked in his office just initially just to sort of get the ball rolling. It was a job I had before I even left San Diego. So I had something set up here. So we're like, okay, it makes sense to move up there and just sort of check things out. And then as soon as I got up there, I started looking for a traditional athletic training job in the high schools. And I started working at Shadow Ridge High School. I did that for a couple of years. And then from there, I went to Durango High School out in, uh, in Vegas still. Um, there's a lot of high schools in Vegas. Everyone assumes Vegas. They just think of the strip, but there's like, 35, 36 public high schools out here, plus all the little charter public ones. We have um, Clark County High School District, school district are the one that runs everything in our county. The way Nevada law works is that every county is its own school district. So there's 230,000 students in our district. So there's a lot of students all over the place. Oh, good. 
Wow. Yeah, your face just dropped when I said that. Yeah, it's a, That's huge. Wow. It, it's the fifth largest in the nation. So there's a lot of high schools out here. So there's a lot of options. So switching between schools really isn't, wasn't that big of an issue. It was just, okay, I went from the very end of the world at the north end of town, and now I'm on the southwest side of town where the high school is. Um, while I was at Durango, I started talking to the people. They're like, hey, why don't you work on getting your teacher licensure, all of that. You can start teaching, doing the athletic training thing. And I started doing my grad school, and I got a master's in education from UNLV. And as I was doing the master's in education from UNLV, I also started teaching an emergency uh, management of illness and trauma class for the kinesiology department because I knew the athletic trainers in there because I'd worked with some of them in the high school before. And they said, hey, would you be interested in doing this? So I started teaching as an adjunct at UNLV. And as I got towards the end of my program, I kind of just sort of made um, a little bit of a family decision because I mean, this was about eight years ago, which today's my kid's birthday actually. But, um, about eight years ago, there was a kid coming through. I was finishing up my master's and we we're sort of talking about where the career path's going to go. And it looks like he's going to run up right behind me here in a second. Hopefully he doesn't. <laughs> um, and sort of decided, you know what, it'd be better to get, um, to get my feet into teaching sort of full time. So I talked to the people at UNLV and I started doing that emergency sports med class, not emergency sports med, emergency management of injuries and illness. Um, more, I do seven units of that now instead of just the three units I was doing before. And I teach full-time at the high school now. So that's sort of where I've been with my career now. I still work as an AT part-time. I work pretty in for select physical therapy. That's why I worked with when I was full-time at the high schools. Pretty much all the high school ATs in Vegas are through select physical therapy. So they're outreach through them. And um, I also, through that, um, Jim Porter was my first supervisor for select and then Jeremy Haas and Nicole um, McFarland, those have been sort of been my supervisors through select and Jim in particular, he's the one that got me into the high school in the first place. He also got me into USA wrestling events and okay. started working a lot of events with him. A uh, Las Vegas hosts a lot of open events. We do the Western region open. We do some of the trials out here every so often the world team trials. And um, I sort of got into that. I started going, he works a tournament up in Fargo every year okay. where he was, he was the medical director for the tournament in Fargo. He sort of turned that over to um, Tim Coberna out of Michigan. And now Jim does go back every so often for that one. But uh, I worked that one six, seven years at one point in time in a row. I need to get back out there because that's just a fun tournament to work. I believe and, it. I've heard of that. You've heard of that one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, it's wild. I mean, you're talking like 4,000, 5,000, 4 to 5,000 athletes under one roof over the course of a week. And, and you see 11, 12,000 matches in a week. They basically, the Fargo Dome is just covered with wrestling mats. And, yep. and there's 23, 24 mats going at once. And I mean, it's wild. As an athletic trainer, you see something new there every year, <laughs> which is what I always like to go do. Yeah. And you always like to see that. I've like, never seen that before. Right. Wow. You learned some serious uh, emergency management in there. So I got involved with USA Wrestling a little bit doing that. I've traveled a couple times with some of the national teams. And I now, again, mostly teaching full time at the high school. I teach AP Bio and I teach anatomy. Yeah, I just sort of got into those class. AP Bio was kind of like, oh, you have a science background. You can go ahead and teach AP Bio for us because our <laughs> AP Bio teachers leave. And I said, Thanks, guys. I'm going to have right. to read a book now because I don't know this. Anatomy was sort of my baby. That was when I was like, hey, I want to get anatomy in here. We need to get that 
going. And they, uh, about three, four years ago, uh, principal's like, hey, we're going to bring it in. We want you to teach us. Like, awesome. Let's go. Let's roll with this. So oh, I've been rolling, with, been rolling with that. I got over 100 students in that in those four classes. And we just we talk about the body all day. I could talk about stuff I like all day. I'm right. starting to like biology. <laughs> I tell my students all the time, I'm not a biologist. I'm an anatomist. I like humans. I don't really care about plants and stuff, but I mean, I, I appreciate it. I understand it. I actually wish I knew the stuff I've learned teaching AP bio when I was in my undergrad classes and all of that, sure. because, oh my God, I, I understand the cell and the cellular processes so much better now than I did when I was a college student. So um, that's sort of where I'm at now. And again, yeah, still doing the per diem work, working Vegas, we're home to a lot of random tournaments out here. So we see some interesting events. We see a lot of youth events and volleyball, soccer, softball. We, we get everything out here. So oh, everyone likes to come to Vegas. So it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you're teaching at UNLV and being involved with wrestling. I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand, especially when it comes to some of the emergency stuff that you were talking about. Uh, yeah, absolutely. My class at UNLV, it's emergency management of trauma and illness. So, I mean, I just talk about planning for the worst. I mean, the first half of the class, we sort of talk about like all the legal stuff, creating an EAP, um, creating EAP, how legal stuff works, um, doing initial assessments, trying to figure out if someone's going to die in the next two minutes of, that you deal with them or not and making sure. decisions based on that. And then the second half of the class, we kind of go like, body segment by body segment and talk about what are all our red flags. And, and I tell the kids, all, I tell my students all the time, and this is all kid majors have to take this class. So, and I teach along with a few other people. We teach it together. Um, we all have our own sections, but I was telling them like, you got to know what normal is and look for abnormal. I mean, that's the same thing I was preaching to my athletic training students when I had students from UNLV coming into my room is figure out what normal looks like. I'm like every, cause I was a preceptor for UNLV at, when I was doing the full-time stuff at the high school, yep. uh, as I'd have my kids, I'm like, you're practicing these tests. Good. Every healthy person is in here, check it on them. And initially the kids are like, well, why would I check it on a healthy person? I'm like, if you don't know what normal is, how are you going to know what abnormal is? Right. Like that's, you just got to drill that and drill what normal feels like. And that's realistically what I teach with, with the UNLV kids. And when you're working wrestling, it's like, yeah, you get a minute and a half to make a quick decision. So, I mean, it all kind of goes hand in hand. And I feel like even though I'm not practicing full-time, I'm still practicing full-time by teaching that emergency stuff to other people that may not be athletic trainers, but hopefully will be prepared to save me if I'm ever in their clinic and go down on them. You kind of alluded to earlier about eight years ago and we saw him come through and yeah. um, nice guest appearance. Um, changes in life um and whatnot yeah. and how that affected you know that's that's got to be a hard decision um i know it is. That a lot of those decisions are going to be coming for me in the near future um just so really asking selfishly but also just <laughs> in general like you know what kind of went into all those decisions you know i can imagine it was hard leaving you know something you probably enjoyed in the high school oh, setting. I'll be honest. I miss doing the full-time AT every day. And I miss it. I mean, I, I, I love teaching. Like the reason I got into teaching was working with the students from UNLV as a preceptor. And I was like, Oh, you see the light bulb go off in their hand. You're like, that's kind of cool. 
Right. It's kind of cool when someone understands something finally and they see it working and they can be like, okay, now I can apply the skill that I've learned and I can actually use it rather than it just being a random piece of a recipe inside my head. So I was like, oh, you know what? I kind of like this thing. So then I got my feet wet a little bit more teaching at UNLV and then the full-time high school. But I mean, going into it, yeah, when started having the family and it become, it became a, what's going to be best for the family kind of thing. And I mean, unfortunately the situation we had here, it, it was just more feasible for me to get a more traditional job, so to speak, not a traditional job. I mean, right. I guess that's something that's a little bit, not more stable because athletic training is stable out here. I mean, we're always being used, but um, it, it, it just kind of came down to economics and everything. Okay. which is unfortunate, but, and that is something that plays a factor when you start having a kid and you're like, are we going to have one kid or are we going to have more kids? I don't know. We ended up stopping at one. We're good with one because kids are expensive. We're finding, we have found out, <laughs> especially when the kid likes to play hockey for some reason. Oh, hockey player. So yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, 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 finances does come into it and just sort of the lifestyle. And like I said, I can still keep my hands dirty in athletic training can still do the per diem stuff, but there's plenty of events around here to keep me dirty. I miss the everyday aspect though. I definitely do miss that. So when you start making that decision, it is something that you need to figure out. Okay. And obviously you're doing this chat. You obviously love the job I'm assuming and you love the lifestyle. So you got to make sure you can just make it work. And I mean that my, biggest piece of advice to anyone just sort of lay everything out there on the table and say what's going to be the best for me and my family because I mean that's what it comes down to and what's going to make me happiest well you kind of already answered this but just to elaborate on it a bit more is you know what would you say to anyone that is thinking about moving out which you haven't moved out of the profession necessarily right um we have seen that um, I think, and I know there's some things going out there. I've seen it popping around on the Den Digest mm-hmm. about um, athletic training attrition and you know losing people to other professions, whether that's work-life balance and whatever that means to people. Um, but you know, thoughts on that? I got to assume, if you, especially being outreach, you're paid. You were paid decently well um even if the economics made more sense to yeah move into what you're doing now um i know the positions we have within the state system at a d3 school it's not amazing but it's Mm -hmm. very livable for the place that we're at and doing things um so i don't know i guess ultimately long and drawn out um thoughts on that and just athletic training in general in terms of the economics you know do you see that getting better you know is it necessarily bad say that in quotes um to you know potentially look to get out to do teaching etc yeah well i mean one thing i always wanted to make sure of is i always said i am an athletic trainer like i'm not never gonna not I I won't ever not be an athletic trainer and that was something that when I made the decision I was like just because I'm getting out of the profession practice wise doesn't mean I have to get out of the profession completely and I mean a couple things I've done to sort of stay active I was president-elect for Nevada for three years and I served as president in Nevada for three years and when you're president of Nevada serve as Nevada's representative to the far west um athletic training association so I was on the managing board for far west so um one thing I've, I've tried to make sure, because again, I didn't, I don't want to not be an athletic trainer. So 
as like, if I'm not practicing full-time, I need to do service full-time. I need to be doing other things full-time and just sort of give my time in a little different way. And the decision to go into teaching, I mean, it wasn't not liking the job. It was just simply, it was best for the family situation at the time. And I can't, I can't tell anyone how to make that decision for themselves. They have to look at all the situation they're in, where they're living and everything and what's going on with the spouse and all that and see what works best for you because it, it is a very individualized decision. Um, yeah, it, it's a tough one. I didn't like making it, but I was like, <laughs> it, just, it just made more sense. But yeah. as I said, once I got out full-time, I was like, I'm going to advocate full-time. I'm going to serve full-time. So I've, been come involved on a couple committees on far west like i said i've served as nevada's president so i've tried to keep that service thing going i'm moving into the secondary school committee for far west and all that so just cool. trying to keep everything going and um, keep myself active in the profession just to make sure i'm never not an athletic trainer because frankly i am how is uh doing the and uh, we'll just call it kind of governance work <laughs> athletic training but i don't know uh president that was one of the coolest thing i've ever done as an athletic trainer and one of the nice things about nevada it's a very small state athletic trainer wise we only have a couple hundred okay. so i mean it was a small pond to pick from so i got in there at a pretty young age i mean i was mid-30s when i got in as president so um doing that it opens your eyes to a lot of things that are just going on behind the scene with the district that you just don't even know are going on i mean just thinking about a state budget, thinking about state activities, trying to get people involved, being upset that people aren't more involved, being upset that people are looking yeah. at it as a job as opposed to a career. And it's like, come on guys, like this is something that you put time and effort into school. This is something that you're doing every day. Like you gotta start walking the walk and walk the walk, talk the talk, do like, do everything that you're talking about. Like if you're gonna be an athletic trainer, be an athletic trainer and be active with the profession. So I mean, it was really, it was really eye-opening working with the district eight managing board. I mean, that's just crazy because I mean, you think about our district meeting, when we go into the district meetings, we always go out a few days early and we have meetings inside the boardroom. So anytime we go to a district meeting, I'm locked in the boardroom when I was in that position. And, um, there's a couple of days you got the committee days where every committee comes in and they tell you what you're doing, what they're doing to help with their committee and what they need from the district to help their committee be functional. And you sort of start to see how many, how many good people there are in the profession. And that's why I always say it was the coolest thing that I've ever done is because you just see all these people in all these different roles and the things that they're doing for the profession. And it's like, by doing the job I'm doing, I can potentially help them help make their job a little bit easier and help them be a little more successful at what they're doing. And it, it was a just eye-opening experience and a fun experience. And it's something I just want to continue to work with. It's something I want to continue to um, take part in. Um, one of the thing, opportunities I got by doing that, I was a, for this last um, national meeting at um, in Vegas, um, I didn't even know this until about a year and a half ago. They have a host city rep for every city that the national convention is in. And I get to do the host city rep thing. Kyle Wilson, the head athletic trainer at UNLV, has done it twice already for the Vegas meetings and okay. I think 84 and 2012. And he's like, I think I'm done with this now. Um, I'm yeah. going to pass this off to one of the younger guys. So he's like, Mark, you're, how about you take this over? So I did that this past year and I had a lot of help from one of my Todd Hamburg. He helped me out a lot. Michelle Samuel helped me out. 
out a lot. Uh, Mike Sepio, our current Nevada president, helped me out a lot. Those are the people that sort of I leaned on. But as a host city rep, I mean, you become and it kind of became a joke. Everyone would ask me just like, what can how can we get this in Vegas? I go, I got a guy. And you find out how many guys you really have, and right. you just sort of set people up with things. You start working with the convention planning committee, which I mean, that was just another curtain that was revealed to me. I was like, I didn't even really realize this was a thing. I mean, I guess I knew it was a thing, but I didn't really realize what exactly went on. And I mean, that meeting was just sitting through the meeting with the convention planning committee was just wow, that was unreal. Um, it's pretty crazy. In October, they came out to Vegas last October and they seriously when they're trying to set up all the programming and everything like that they seriously sit in a room with these ginormous post-it notes they put the post-it notes all over with um the different halls at all the events did you come to Vegas last year by the way I was unable to we were getting <sighs> I know um but now if it ever goes back there I am definitely coming um <laughs> And looking, uh, but I was unable to make it last year. We had one too many trips planned, and wife got a new nah, That's all right. But yeah, I mean, it was really wild. Like we're sitting in this room, and they have all the different halls that all the different lectures are going to be in, and then they put tiny post-it notes on that with the different things. I mean, there's like 16, 17 people on this committee, and I mean, just how much they knew about everyone else's presentations and the amount of work they put in to put that on. I mean, that was just like wow. There is a person behind the curtain over there actually doing this stuff and then getting closer to the meeting, getting supplies over there. And then people the day of like, Hey, can we get this? Can we get this? Can we get this? And you just sort of figure out all of that stuff, what's going on behind the scenes. So um, getting into like that whole presence, he sort of opened the door for that because people are like, yeah, he could probably handle this. He'll be a responsible person and he can take care of this and sort of run with it. So, and that was, again, like I said, president was pretty fun. Post city rep was really an interesting eye-opening experience that I, it's an experience not many I know only one person a year gets to do that so I feel pretty privileged to have done that one you had mentioned you know especially as your time and like president and going to the bigger district meetings and you know finding yeah um you know people are doing these things and how cool it was um what did you learn or advice you would give like to anybody, you know, even across the profession to like enhance maybe that collaboration. Um, Cause I feel like there's a lot and you know, I'm getting this from Twitter and you know, all the different things. And there's a lot of people always doing their own things. I'm doing my own thing. I mean, everybody's got their kind of stick, but um, did you come away with anything that you would be like, Hey, to help us move along, this mm -hmm. might be something worth us looking at on a smaller group scale, on a district scale, or even on the full-blown profession scale? Well, I mean, I think one thing people need to realize is that if they want to help out, we'll take you. We'll take you somewhere. Like, there's a place for you to help out. If you're willing to move the profession forward, someone will use the skills that you have and allow you to help move that profession forward if you want to. Because you can't be silent about it, though. You got to open your mouth. You got to put your name in when you get those emails from the district that some people just click past and be like, oh, I'm not going to read that. That's too long. Or from NATA, range of motion. Read those things because they're asking you to volunteer. They're asking for your input. They're asking for your help and sort of guiding where the profession is going to go. And if you start getting on these committees and putting your voice in, all of a sudden you have a voice. And I mean, going back to being president. Yeah, Nevada, there's 200 something people. 
I had just as big of a voice as California that has 3000 athletic trainers. I mean, obviously they're representing more people, but when we're sitting in the board meeting, I mean, California's one vote, Nevada was one vote. So, and I got this and yeah, I probably would not be in that position if I was in California because of the vast size and how many athletic trainers they have to pull from. But even that being said, you tend to see certain names over and over and over again in all of these meetings that you do. You tend to see certain names on every one of these committees over and over. So, I mean, the opportunities there, people just have to open up and just say, hey, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to give you a few hours a month. I'm willing to give you a couple hours a week. I'm willing to put my name out there and try to help move the profession forward. Instead of just sitting here wallowing about what's going on, how about I join a committee on my state level? How about I join a committee on my district level and see what's going on there? Now, you guys have a ginormous district that is just being split up into the two. Right. Yep. And um, Craig Vole, your director, he came out to our meeting last year. Um, we had our district meeting, which was in I was in Vegas last year. And, and they talked about the split and what was going on. He's like, I got denied. I don't know how many times he said, he's like, I got denied so many times. He's like, this last application I was putting in was my last application. I said, if they deny me again, I'm not going to go through with it. I'm just going to hold, I'm just going to be done with it. And he's like, that's because our district was so large. And that sort of hit me. I'm like, wow, I'm kind of lucky to live in a district, a state as small as I do, because that allowed me to move forward really quickly. Right. And um, one thing I saw with his story is don't get discouraged. If you don't happen to get something you don't want, you want it right away. Okay. It happens. I got turned down from a couple of things I put my name in for this past year. Okay. I'll go on to the next thing and I'll move on and try to keep, be persistent and just say, Hey, I'm still an athletic trainer. Just cause they said no to this one door closed, another door opens. It all works out. And I found myself in a position I think I'm going to like right now working with the secondary schools and uh, again, just doing more for the district, more for the profession, because like I said, if I'm not practicing full time, I want to serve full time. And that's sort of where I'm at, I'm at. Any other advice when it comes to like I, you said, you've made it up to the president of Nevada, smaller amount. I, I hear you, but right. Tips or things that's something I've considered um, since I've got more free time now um, that's on my list to make sure I get into at least starting at our state level um, absolutely. application to just drop your name in to be on a absolutely so just throwing it in there to just kind of start the process um, one of my colleagues in the state system is one of our representatives now uh, within the range so I'll be touching base with him but other just for you know either young professionals trying to get into it or again like you said you got into that level in your mid-30s so even for this guy who's approaching his mid-30s um tips ideas recommendations you know things that maybe would have more of an impact than well, yeah i mean start with your state start if you want to start small and just sort of get your feet let's start with the state and i mean like Nevada, we're a smaller state. We don't have the committee set up. But California, they have committees for everything. Hawaii has committees for everything. Uh, we have a couple committees in Nevada, which we kind of work a little bit with. But different states have different committees. So first thing, I mean, hopefully you guys are going to your state meetings. Hopefully you're looking at your state website, finding out what committees are there. Hopefully you know who's on the board already for your state. And you can contact them and say, hey, if you need anything, I'm here to help. Right. If you have a committee that has an opening. Throw me in there. I'll do it. Whatever. If you're a young professional, hey, do you have a young professionals committee in our state? Because there's a committee for the young professionals. So, right. I mean, that that's I'm too old for that. 
I'm out. <laughs> I can't even get into that one. So, right. I mean, there, that, that, those spots are always turning over and that's a great place to get involved. Um, even for students, get on the student leadership committee. I mean, that, that is, there's just so many ways you can just sort of start, but it, it all starts with you picking up a phone or you shooting an email off and just sort of putting your email, putting your name out there. If someone doesn't respond to you, send it back again. Cause I'll be honest. Some, I have a few people that email me and they had to email me a couple of times where I'm like, Oh shoot, that's right. Because everyone gets busy. Right. And, and if you're emailing someone in the middle of August, it's going to be a little bit of a delay to get a response a lot of times, <laughs> uh, depending on the setting. I mean, right. out here, we have people that are in the performing arts setting where they're just busy all year round. It doesn't matter what day or what year, what yeah. day or what month it is. It's They're always busy. So I mean, if we have them on our board, which we have had in the past, they're busy all the time. So, I mean, you, and you got to know like different schedules and everything. Like, hey, just sort of. Be polite, be persistent. I mean, those are the two biggest things and just find a place. And once you get going and you start doing something, you start accomplishing some things and you just sort of start to see the fruits of your labor and you're like, oh, this is kind of fun. I kind of like doing this and you kind of like doing it a little bit more and you kind of like hearing the stories and you kind of like meeting the people and um, doing the events and everything. It just becomes fun at that point in time. You're like, you know what? I'm helping out AT and I'm having a good time doing it. So this is... This is where it's at. This, this is sort of what my role is at this point in time. I like it. Yeah, I think people would be surprised that, at least for me, I don't get offended if you follow up on an email in a mm-hmm. week or two. I actually prefer it because uh, it sometimes they get buried and I mm-hmm. leave it marked on red, so I go back to look at it. But sometimes that, that scrolling gets a little too far, and so I actually appreciate the follow-up, I you know, daily is a little much, but if you hit me up yeah. a week later and just say, hey, you know. Just following up. Hopefully you remember. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, most people are more open to that than they would, than they would other people might think. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely not. It's just you got to be persistent. You got and not you, you just got to put your face out there and put your name out there and sort of let people do stuff and let force people to get you involved because they will. There, yeah. there is something for you to do in your state. I guarantee you. There is something for everyone to do in their state. I guarantee that. Right. And yeah, it, it's it, it's there. It's fun. And once you start getting going with it, you kind of don't want to stop. It, it gets addicting. I'll have to get that application in now. More <laughs> Good. Glad I'm motivating some folks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything else kind of around these couple areas we've covered? That we didn't get to. Um, shoot, let me see. Um, I don't even know. We've been talking about the movie. We've been talking about service. We've been talking about yeah. wrestling a little bit. Uh, um, I guess that's really the only question I think I haven't asked you that I kind of listed is, and I think you, you kind of answered it, but I'll let you try and make it a little bit more concise. Um, okay. What has been like any guiding principles that you've kind of maintained through your changes in positions um, and doing all the different things that you've done. I mean, you, you've said a couple of times and I, I really like it. And I think it's a great thing for a lot of people is, you know, if you can't be actively doing it, you're going to be, you know, practicing, you're going to be serving. And I think that, I, that's awesome. Um, but any other things that you would kind of say, you know, that keep you connected or, you know, engaged in what you're doing with, um, Athletic training. 
Cool. Yeah. I mean, realistically with me, I just try to get better and do better all the time. Like I, I, I don't want to be stagnant. I want to improve what I'm doing. I want to improve my relationship with athletic training. And that's sort of the way I think about it is like, how, how am I relating with athletic training? How am I relating with colleagues? All of that. Am I getting better at those kind of things? Am I communicating effectively? Um, realistically, our job is customer service. Am I doing good customer service? And that that's what athletic training is to me. And that's what healthcare is in general. It's it's a customer service based profession. We don't get tips or anything, but I mean, we're, we're dealing with people on a bad day and if they have a bad interaction with us, that bad day just got worse. So, um, it, 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 everything, everything in life is kind of customer service. So I'm dealing with my kids in my high school class, that's customer service. Their, their impression of teachers is the impression that I give them about me. So if I leave a bad taste in their mouth, they're going to think teachers are buttheads. If I, do a good job. They're going to think teachers are good. And I try to remember that when I'm acting as an athletic trainer, I'm representing all athletic trainers and mm-hmm. hopefully leaving a good impression of what all athletic trainers are like. I'm trying to give them the best possible experience. Question kind of came up from you just saying all that, you know, trying to get better, trying to improve. What do you focus on like continuing education wise, you know, with not being in practice and, you know, high school setting is its own unique thing, but you know, if you're practicing, you know, it might be soft tissue work or right. Needling has become a thing and you know, all the different kind of practical hands-on skills, obviously Mm -hmm. you want to stay sharp and up to date with all your emergency stuff, which totally makes sense. That's that's a lot of where I focus. Okay. I didn't know if there was other areas that you maybe did. Um, the the emergency stuff would be one for sure. Um, I look at a lot of the education stuff, like how do we work with the athletes, with the patients? Um, how does the educa- how does the education side work? How what, what are good teaching strategies? All of that. Um, but yeah, emergency preparedness, um, concussion eval. Because I mean, people are still asking me questions all the time. I mean, everyone on my campus knows I'm an athletic trainer, so a lot of times they'll send students to me during the day. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna look at you really quick, but you need to go to our school athletic trainer after school because I mean that's their job not mine I can sort of guide you a little bit but I mean I don't want to step on his toes because that's just not good practice I'm a teacher when I'm here during the day so that delineation goes that's something I think about but a lot of the educational stuff and the emergency stuff is sort of where I focus because that's more the field that I'm in right now makes sense absolutely well, with that, um, ready to move into those athletic training chat five questions. Awesome. Yeah. At the end. Absolutely. Let's get it. Where do you see the profession of athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? Well, what I'd like to see is that we are considered cake and not icing when it comes to sports. We shouldn't just be the frosting stuff on the top. We need to be part of the, we need to be part of the meat. We need to be part of the main course, so to speak. Um, I hear people say it all the time. I don't know who said it first, but if you don't have enough money to, to pay for an athletic trainer, you don't have enough money to pay for sports. If you don't have enough money to pay for the healthcare, you don't have enough money to pay for the sports. And that's kind of the message I try to give when I'm talking to people. When I'm talking about emergency preparedness in my class. I'm like, if you guys have a clinic and you don't have an AED, you're no, that's not acceptable. If you're coming out of my class, like that, there's just certain things that you have to have. 
in line in order to have a successful program and everything. And I'm hoping that as things like this, where we're seeing the diversification of athletic training like crazy right now, my Twitter feed's been amazing, just seeing the different things people are doing at mm-hmm. using their skills. So I'm, I'm loving that, that we're becoming more essential healthcare providers that, that people are saying, oh, they can do that too. That, that's going to make us more valuable, I'm hoping. So, and while this outbreak has been terrible for society, hopefully this will be kind of a tipping point for people seeing like, hey, athletic trainers are really valuable in more ways than just taping an ankle, which, uh, yeah, that's another episode when we talk about just taping ankles. <laughs> but I mean, um, yeah, hopefully people start looking at us as kind of the main course and not just like, oh, you're dessert at the end or you're icing on the cake. Like we need to be the cake. And that's, that sort of needs to be our message. You can't do this without us. And I hope that gets across in the next five, 10 years. That's, that's my, that's my goal. That would be an ideal for me. I like the analogy. That's, that's a good one. It really is. Thank you. Um, had never thought about it like that, but I, I could see that. And I'm honestly probably going to use that in some discussions <laughs> that I have coming up. Um, Sounds like, good. Be great. You need uh, be the cake. <laughs> what advice would you give yourself um, as a younger athletic trainer if you could go back, um, if you could kind of set the stage of when you would, like what version <laughs> of yourself you would give the advice to? Um, what if would I was going uh, if I was going back to like when I first started, probably just say know your role and and work your role as best you can and just understand that and understand where you fit in in the continuum of sports. Cause I mean, athletic trainers are in a weird spot between we're not players. We're not coaches. We're in the middle. I don't know where we are in the middle, but we're somewhere in the middle of that. And um, just understanding that and just pay attention to that. And just, I, I wish I would have thought of it. I don't think I ever provided bad customer service, but I wish I would have focused more on the customer service aspect when I was younger. And just making sure I'm like, hey, you are representing athletic trainers everywhere because whatever experience that person has with you, they're going to think that about athletic trainers all the time. So um, make it a good customer service experience, make it a good thing so that when they leave your room, they think more about the good things with you, which I'm hoping most, I haven't had any athletes tell me they didn't like me. So, I mean, I guess that's positive, but I mean, you you just never know. Like you think back, I'm like, oh, was I as good as I could have been back then? I, I don't know. I hope I was, but Sure. If I was an athlete, I'm sorry now. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm better now. I, I, I know more about what's going on and I have just a different view of everything. I was just a young, yeah. What has been the most influential resource that you have found in your career? Um, understanding how a network works. I mean, like the USA Wrestling stuff happened because I happened to get hired by Jim Porter. I mean, Jim Porter was a sports medicine coordinator in Las Vegas. He basically sort of set, um, basically if you're doing athletic training in Nevada in a high school setting, he kind of set the rules and set, laid, laid the land down for everyone. And he happened, he's been working with USA wrestling since the early eighties. So, um, him, he's a medical director and one of the medical directors, I think with them, uh, just knowing him got me involved in USA wrestling, got me going to Fargo, got me traveling overseas with the national teams. So, I mean, knowing him got me open that door going in and having been president, then that opened the host city rep door that's opened up other um, committee doors. So just sort of understanding that, yeah, the people you meet can absolutely help you get to where you need to get to, especially in this profession where the community community is very small. I mean, 
50,000 people, that's really 45, 50,000 people really isn't a whole bunch. Right. It, I mean, it's a, it's a big number, but it's like a thousand per state. That's not very big. And right. if you meet people that like, especially once you start getting on those committees and you start getting on national committees and you start meeting people from around the country and your network gets bigger and bigger really quickly, all of a sudden it's like, wow, I, you can turn around and just sort of, um, allow that network to help you out with what you want to do and try to help you try to accomplish goals that you want to help better yourself and better the profession. So I, and understanding that I think is probably one of the most in the biggest thing I've learned coming through this is the people that you know, and the people that you work with and the people that you show your reliability to becomes very, very important as you move forward. I like it. Uh, if you could change one thing or eliminate it entirely, could be a modality or a common practice <laughs> mindset, whatever you want to name it to be is completely good. Um, but in the profession of athletic training, what would it be? Can we just pretend there's no lawyers so we don't have to do paperwork anymore? That is the first time we've heard that, but I really like it. <laughs> that is solid. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, mean, I like the profession. I mean, everyone does stuff their own way. Um, I'd probably say just the attitude that my way is better than your way. Okay, calm down. Like, well, Let's just sort of understand who you are, where you are, what you're doing works for you. That's fine. It may not work for everyone else. Someone may do it a little bit different. So just sort of the hey, we're better than you. Okay, calm down. Like everyone's doing their own thing. How about we share things instead of pointing fingers? I'm better. Like just that, that doesn't need to be anywhere. And, and I don't know if I see that very much in the profession, but I mean, just, if I heard it, that would sort of turn me off. Yep. And I've, I've seen it in a couple places that, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, do your thing. Yep. Uh, that's a good one. I like that too. Um, but yeah, paperwork. Let's keep the paperwork on absolutely. here. Let's get rid of that. Yeah, that'd be so much more fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, last one is what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Well, first thing, I mean, I sort of said this a few times we're customer servicing and I mean, you're there for others. So our job is to be there for other people when they need us. Um, we have to be dependable. We have to be reliable. And that, that to me goes at the core of what an athletic trainer is a person that is doing stuff, not for themselves. I mean, yeah, go into practice because the coach wants to do practice at six 30. That's not your choice. You're not on the team. You're not running. You're not getting better. You're doing that for those kids that are out there or you're going into your performing arts thing, going to your performer surgery because you want to be there for that patient. You're doing a lot of stuff that's very selfless, which to me, that's sort of where athletic training starts. Um, ideally, um, you carry yourself in a way that's going to make you respected and revered in your role. You're highly regarded by the people that you work with, and that's you representing the profession. So that if people are respecting your opinions, people are respecting the things you're doing and going above and beyond for your patients, then hopefully that's kind of their attitude of what athletic trainers are, that these people are here for me. They're going out of their way to make sure I'm doing well. And basically we're modeling what it means to be a good person to our patients. And that's sort of what I think athletic training is. And that's sort of what I try to carry as I move forward. And when I work, when I do my per diem stuff and I'm sitting there teaching in front of my kids, I try to model those things for them. Well said. Thank you. Um, just kind of in closing then, uh, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you or reach out, uh, what would be the best way? Uh, we'll already link up your Twitter, but anything else? 
Yeah, perfect. I mean, Twitter's at MarkDATC, uh, Mark with a K. No, I don't do the C Mark stuff, but um, M-A-R-K-D-A-T-C. Um, if you want to email me, M-A-R-K.J.D-A-N-Z-A at gmail.com. That goes right to me. Um, but yeah, pretty active on Twitter. I try to be active. I read a lot more than I post, but um, I'm on there pretty much every day. So uh, if you got a hold of me on that, I would definitely see it pretty quick. If you email me, that goes to my phone. So I see that pretty quickly or just come to Vegas and you'll find me. I'm, I'm always out and about here. It's never a bad time to come to Vegas, except when the casinos are closed. Yes, that is a bad time to come. Now here. would not be a good time to go. No, now would not be a good time. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, if, unless there's anything else, uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Appreciate you taking the time. Awesome. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, appreciate you letting me tell my story. Anytime you want me to come back and talk about anything, I'm open and willing. So awesome. Well, we'll definitely take advantage of that. Sounds good. <laughs>